Happy holidays, horror heads! Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Graveyard Shift, and we hope that it's been the gift that kept on giving the whole year. But if you like to give us a gift, here's a great way to do that. You can head on over to patreon.com graveyard, where as little as a dollar a month helps make sure we keep delivering all the same horror goodness all throughout 2019 as well. Sheldon, what are you doing? Hey, Merry Christmas, buddy. Don't Merry Christmas me. Tell me what you were doing. Well, I was telling your listeners that they can go to patreon.com slash graveyard to make a donation to help keep the show running, and if they do... Yeah, 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 yeah. They help us out with the production costs and get exclusive access to bonus episodes. Yeah, exactly. So I see it's okay for you to do it, but not me. What the hell are you talking about? Last year, I was telling people how to donate to the Patreon, and you made me stop. You said it was unethical, and as soon as I looked up what that word meant, I was outraged. Dude, you pretended to be Santa and threatened to shit in people's stockings if they didn't donate. It was clever marketing tactics. It was obscene and offensive, says the guy that doesn't have a degree in marketing. Neither do you. I don't have to stay here and take this abuse. Offensive, please. I've never offended anyone in my life. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go about my holiday tradition of driving around blasting baby it's cold outside as loud as I can and asking women if I can come down their chimney while wearing a Santa hat. Goodbye. Uh, that's patreon.com slash graveyard. Ah, oh, man, it's been a long year. Welcome to episode 80 of The Graveyard Shift, where each week we watch a horror or horror-ish movie and break it down into the good, the bad, and any other category we decide to make up along the way. We'll talk about the plot, some production details, and anything else we find fun or relevant. I'm your host Sheldon, and I never worked The Graveyard Shift alone. Please say hello to the guy that's so naughty, he's on everyone's nice list, my co-host Mike. Hey everybody, ho ho ho. You sure are. <laughs> it's true. Mike, I can't believe it, man. This is our last episode for 2018. That is insane. It's been a year, man. Fuck, has it ever? Holy shit. It has been a crazy year. Uh, just like myself alone, the past six weeks or so in particular, it has been fucking batshit crazy. In that time, I started a new job that, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, isn't going so great. I sold my house finally and then had to find a new place to move. And we just got moved in and had to start scrambling to get ready for the holidays. So, yeah, I like feel like I am completely drained. But anyway, are you all ready for Christmas? Well, yeah, pretty much. Just, uh, no. it's been busy. Like, I switched to uh, internet service providers, so I spent a good week trying to recover emails and then switch all my accounts from one email address to another and some most of them were painless but just tedious and others were i'm gonna have to deal with customer support for like four fucking days just because they don't allow me to type in a new email address which mm. is awful like i had to come up with a set like several different gmail accounts because the ones that i have active weren't being accepted by apple and oh god damn it oh I wrap that up just in time to realize, oh shit, it is the 21st. I need to start watching movies, like Christmas movies. 
Okay, so speaking of movies, we got our final movie of the year to talk about, so why don't we get it moving? Mike, what have we got for everyone this final week of December? Today's episode is Gizzed in My Pants, because we watched Gremlins. (laughs) Yes, and just in case you've been living under a rock for the past 34 years, here's some info on Gremlins. Released in June of 1984, despite being a very Christmassy movie, Gremlins is an American comedy horror directed by Joe Dante and executive produced by Steven Spielberg. It has a runtime of 106 minutes, had a budget of $11 million, and turned that into $156 million. So, slightly successful, especially when you consider that number is just box office returns. Let's not forget video sales and rentals plus merchandising. It was the first movie ever to get a PG-13 rating. The MPAA rating system before 1984 went from PG to R. The MPAA argued that certain scenes were too violent to get a PG rating, but Steven Spielberg argued that it wasn't enough to warrant an R rating, and behold, the PG-13 rating was born. Wow. So PG can stand for post-Gremlins. Wow. Mind fucking blown. Anyway, as for the plot, a young man inadvertently breaks three important rules concerning his new pet and unleashes a horde of malevolent, mischievous monsters on a small town. And Mike, do you remember the three rules? Don't feed them after midnight, don't get them wet, and sunlight kills them. Hmm. Almost sounds like one of my axes. <laughs> But yeah, so this was probably one of the, I say is arguably one of the biggest movies of the 80s. This is one of these classic 80 movies that even if someone hasn't seen it, you know, if you're a bit younger, maybe not have seen it, you at least know it exists. Um, This movie became, quite some time ago, became one of my must-watch Christmas movies. And uh, I know a lot of people argue, some people argue that, oh, it's not a Christmas movie. And I mean, the whole thing, like it starts off like this whole, the whole thing happens because the guy, the main character gets uh, gets a fuzzy little monster for a Christmas present. Yeah, Gizmo is a Christmas present. There you fucking yeah. go. And a lot of people argue that it's not horror. And I know it's not straight up horror, but it, I, I mean, there's some it's violent about, deaths. There's some violent deaths. It's about a horde of monsters that just wreak havoc on a town, like just destroy the place. I'd say it's close enough that it fits the bill. So, yeah. Um, But anyway, we are going to do our usual thing. We're going to break it down into the good, the bad. And this can be anything we want to mention, something that we liked or didn't like, uh, something as broad as an overall theme or something specific as a certain scene certain line of dialogue whatever the case is and uh but first mike i gotta ask you about when did you first see this movie hmm i was aware of gremlins before i saw the movie simply because of all the toys the merchandise yeah if uh if you're 80 like if you're an 80s kid like uh, mike and i you remember this that this was a huge fucking deal when it came out like this wasn't he also a cartoon that I don't remember. Uh, it's quite possible. You can give that a quick Google if you want. 
Um, but what I remember is like seeing the commercials and getting hyped up about it. I, I've mentioned this at least a few times in uh, past episodes that growing up, I'm from a small town, was didn't have a movie theater nearby. So I didn't see a lot of movies in the theater as a kid. This was one I wanted to see, didn't get a chance, but um, I had to wait for this one to come out on home video before I saw it. But I do remember seeing the commercials for it on TV and then the merchandising. Man, everybody that in my school, um, in elementary school, probably had either a little plush gizmo or like a hard plastic gremlin toy. There was a pilot of a cartoon series. Oh, but it didn't pan out? It was called Gizmo and the Gremlins. Ah. Okay, so, and I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna admit there's some, I, as many times as I've seen this movie, I learned something about this movie just today when I was just double checking my notes. Um, I had no idea until today that Howie Mandel did the voice of Gizmo. <laughs> that blew my fucking Never mind. sounded like Bobby to you before. No, I didn't put it together, I guess. I never really noticed. I'm not exactly a huge Howie Mandel fan to begin with, so I guess I didn't really look that deeply into it. But yeah, it like totally makes sense. As soon as I read that, I'm like, of course he did. Like without a doubt, like that's that's Mandel, of course. But anyway, we are going to break it down into the good and the bad, and uh, we will start with the good and as always, start with the mic. So Mike, please Tell me something good about Gremlins, and there is a lot to choose from. Oh yeah, we are. This is going to this is going to be a very lopsided episode. But yeah, the first good is the very beginning, the opening credits. We've got a great font for the uh, for the credits in Gremlins with a nice, it's like a yellow font with a very thick red trim on it, and we've got the the Rock and Ricky Indiana Jones style ad. <laughs> and the entire opening with kids playing uh, playing around in a, a, a tree lot, throwing snowballs. And it's even got like the sad Christmas song. You know, Christmas, nothing come this mm-hmm. year. Christmas, I'm all out of cheer. Christmas. And it's it's got a nice dichotomy. Like everyone's happy and festive while playing like a very depressing Christmas song. Yep. So it's a strong it's a strong start. For sure. Yeah, that opening was great. Like, uh, jumps right into it. Um, yeah, I like the, uh, the opening, just the narration of the, uh, of the, the dad, the inventor. Didn't he sound like someone else? I'm not sure. What do you mean? Uh, just his voice, like, when he was narrating over the thing, like, I don't know. It just sounded kind of like, uh, either like, uh, Darren McGavin or, or Bob Hoskins or something. He sounded like something when he was narrating, like, you wouldn't believe it if I told you. Oh, Jimmy Durante. He sounded like Jimmy Durante. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can see that. It's like, everybody's got a Christmas story, but come over here. I got a story you won't believe. (laughs) It's about a snowman. That guy's got a great voice, man. I love his voice. But yeah, you you nailed it. Like, that opening was was great fucking perfect like it is uh i always remember that opening even watching this movie as a kid right up till now like that's it it's uh always anticipate it it's good it's great one thing though i can always tell right away is that you can tell even though they've made it look as wintry as they could this must have been filmed in like uh, this was all on this like uh i don't know about on a set 
per se, but like on a lot somewhere, and this was all fake snow, and I think everybody was like actually really warm. <laughs> well, yeah, if you're wearing the, those winter clothes, if they, you know, they could have just had it take place if it's being filmed in Los Angeles. You could have just had like a Los Angeles Christmas. But no, they, they, they wanted to go for that wintry village, so... Yeah. And, and yet fill them outside in, in July. Yeah. They wanted to go for... Definitely wanted to go for that small town, like, uh, classic uh, Christmas look. But yeah, so... Uh, I love that opening. I loved... Uh, why can't I remember any of the characters' names? Because, jeez, I've only seen this movie probably like a couple dozen times. <laughs> But yeah, the uh, very beginning when uh, Billy's father, what the hell was his name? Randall? Yep. He uh, first finds the uh, the store where he finds Gizmo. And um, got a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit cringy, a little bit stereotypical. But <laughs> I don't know, something about that, especially when I was a kid, I just love that. I, I always wanted to try to find a store like this that just had like some... Just full of like uh, old Asian antiques. Like it just seemed like such like such a cool concept to me. I'm just glad that the little Asian kid didn't sound like Data from the Goonies. <laughs> I always call them short round. Well, same kid. Every time I see him. Yep. So I'm just glad he wasn't like okie dokie, Mister Man. I go get you nice gremlin right now. He was just a kid, and he talked like a kid. That was great. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so it's, uh, I always wondered, it's like, okay, now you know what? I'll save it for later. Never mind. <laughs> but yeah, so let's uh, talk about, one of the good things I want to talk about is Gizmo itself. Man, like this was, for it, especially considering the time, this was like quite a good uh, good uh, animatronics and puppeteering. Oh, oh f- Gizmo was fantastic. One of my goods is that he really seemed like he was in pain when he got wet. Yeah. Oh, his facial expressions were the best. Like they, the facial expressions not on not only on Gizmo, uh, but like the Gremlins themselves, f- fucking made this movie. Yeah, there was even some stop motion animation mixed in with the prosthetics, but it was all seamless. Yeah, there, there's only and again, no, what I'm gonna get into some bad things but <laughs> let's uh let's keep looking at the good yeah like and uh i mean watching the movie as as an adult and you know i get to know like uh i kind of can piece things together you realize realize that there's a lot of cutscenes um where they switch they switch out like and they kind of hide the uh the animatronic that they're using at the time but they made it seem very seamless like from the time like you know gizmo's in the crate he picks him up and puts him on the counter. Uh, anytime that he moves Gizmo from anywhere, you can tell, like, you know, he just picks, you see a moving animatronic, then he picks up, like, a stationary doll, and then it's, like, it's kind of off camera a little bit, but he puts him down, and then, like, it just pans to another animatronic. But, uh, yeah, the animatronics were great. The puppeteering was great. The interaction that the, uh, the actors had with the animatronics, like, they did a fantastic job. So yeah, like everything, like, and I mean, that's, that's, anytime you're making a movie where you've got to uh, interact with animatronics, that can make or break the movie, and 
they they nailed it. They knocked it out of the park with this one. Yeah, it it just think it could have gone Beast of Hollow Mountain with us, and just have <laughs> Gizmo like sticking his tongue out like. Oh, Jesus Christ, that, movie's gonna, that movie's gonna keep coming up, isn't it? <laughs> uh, just like we gold sushi. Go, oh, this is like going all the way back to episode two. Jesus. Ah. <laughs> uh, all right. What else you got on your good list? Another one of my likes is uh, Mrs. Deagle, from her Scrooge-like entrance, where someone's just like, "Merry Christmas, Mrs. Deagle." Like, "Good morning." What's so good about What's it? So good about it? <laughs> <laughs> and then she turns into Miss Gulch, threatening to kill the dog. She's yeah. like every movie villain wrapped up into one, a little Cruella, a little Miss Gulch, a little Ebenezer Scrooge. She is just a delightful villain foil. Yeah. I'm going to skip ahead to uh, a few things on my list because I want to talk about like some of the gremlins themselves first. But since you already brought her up, one of the absolute probably one of my i'd say easily in the, my top 10 list of best scenes ever committed the film <laughs> was when deagle get you because you know you know she uh you know that she's the villain like, even though like the gremlins themselves are the villains of the movie but she is definitely a villain as well and you know she's going to get her comeuppance oh fuck and, does she ever? First time I saw this movie, I knew like you know she was going to be involved. She was going to get it. I even at that young age, like being like you know five or whatever, when this mo- when I saw this movie, I knew she was going to get it. She was going to uh, there was going to be payback for all the grief she caused everyone at the beginning of the movie. I had no fucking idea though it was going to come in the way that it did. <laughs> because let me tell you, <laughs> I. I could watch that scene over and over again. Uh, just she's using one of the you know exactly what I'm talking about. She's using uh, one of the I don't want I don't even know what to call it. Not a stair climber, but it's the seats that people with poor mobility have attached, like a rail seat that's uh, that you use in the staircase, so you don't have to walk up the stairs. You just sit it, and it brings them. It, it uh, they can use it uh, kind of like a almost like a seated elevator type thing. The gremlins sneak into her house and. She doesn't seem like the type that would be the crazy cat lady type, but there's cats all over the fucking place. she hates dogs. Yeah, I guess, but still. I mean, Jesus. And you see some poses carolers to distract her while one (laughs) sneaks in her house and tampers. You see him just tampering with her chair with the wiring. (laughs) (laughs) And she comes out, like, going to throw water on the carolers. The fucking bitch. And... First Wait. of all, this scene, when she looks at the carolers, the, the gremlins are caroling, and I <laughs> laugh my ass off. Because the carol- they've got the song books in their winter gear, and they're like, rah, 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 rah. It's like Christmas, it's like uh, Silent Night, mixed in with, la, 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 And they're like, actually, like, looking at the book and looking up, like, they're actually reading along. <laughs> she freaks out, about to take a heart attack, gets into her chair, and... Just like turbocharged, the chair is now turbocharged and it flies up the stairs. There's sparks <laughs> shooting from it. She's screaming the whole way. She hits a painting on the way down and just like tilts it off the wall. And she gets fucking launched out the window. <laughs> she clears the fucking street. And I don't mean she just falls at the window. She gets launched like she got fired out of a fucking cannon. <laughs> Still sitting in the chair. Fantastic. 
it makes no sense whatsoever, but it's the best thing ever. Uh, it's it's like, it's absolutely it, perfect. It breaks so many laws of physics, but it's still one of the greatest movie scenes ever, in my opinion. And lands right in front of the police car. Uh, so such good. And like the gremlins, their reaction to it—they see her launch at the window, and they're just. Their eyes are bulging out. <laughs> They're laughing so hard. And this is why it didn't get a PG rating. Because <laughs> they shot an old lady out of a window. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, there's other scenes as well, but this was probably the highlight. Yeah, I just remember watching this movie like uh, with a group of friends. My mom rented it for me. You know, I had a group of friends over at my house... Uh, Pop the movie on, have a snacks all over the place, and all of us just about shit our pants laughing at the scene. It was the best, except for one, uh, one of my one kid that was like a friend of ours that was a little bit younger that left because the movie scared him too much. <laughs> but yeah, that that is just perfect. Okay, so I could just talk about that scene for the entire episode. But what else you got on your list? Um, Judge Reinhold. Once again, lusting after Phoebe Gates. Cates. Cates. Because he, he was the thirsty guy. Wasn't he the thirsty guy that was jerking off to her in Fast Times at Ridgemont High? I believe he was. And, and here he is, two years later, still still, still carrying a torch for her. And he's saying, hey, how about you come over to my apartment? It's got cable. <laughs> like, that, that, that's his lore. Seriously, could there fucking be an any more like '80s line? <laughs> Check out my new apartment; it has cable. You know you're you know you're playing with the high rollers now. Oh shit! Yes, I got a I got a leather trench coat and cable. Fuck yeah! We didn't get to see. We didn't. And I I'm sad to say I think it was a wasted opportunity. We didn't get to see anything happen to him once the gremlins attacked. That's one of my bads. Well, sorry. <laughs> you but, yeah, you sniped one of my bads. That. Oh, well, I, we'll talk about I it. I really wanted to see him get his comeuppance. Yeah, but I, I guess he just him. wasn't that strong of a villain. He was more like a smug dick rather than a, a harmful person. Yeah, he was a footnote, for sure. So what about you? What, what else tickled you in this movie? Well, since you've mentioned her, Phoebe Cates. God damn. <laughs> She was delicious. She still looks fantastic now. Uh, yeah, she was, even though, like, you know, I was way too young to realize, like, you know, realize it at the time. But, like, no, I, I realized that, like, you know, that she's fucking go- insanely gorgeous. But, yeah, she was definitely an 80s crush of mine. Like, I think before I even understood what, like, you know, being sexually attracted to somebody was, I was attracted to her. <laughs> but yeah, she was definitely one of my, uh, one of my, like, top 80s crushes. And, uh... Yeah, yeah. she married Kevin Klein and retired. She owns, she owns like, a, a, a boutique in New York. A boutique in New York, huh? Yep, that's what happened to her. She married Kevin Klein and settled down and quit acting around 2001. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, honestly, can you think of anything she's done after uh, outside the 80s? 
Uh, nope, just uh, Gremlins 2, the new batch, but that was in 1990. Oh, she was she was in uh, Drop Dead Fred. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was I I don't know if you've ever watched that, but I fucking love that movie. And she was in uh, Princess Caribou. Never even heard of it. Me neither, but it showed up on our IMDb and then nothing between 1994 and 2001, which was the anniversary party. Again, never heard of it, but oh, that one had Alan Cumming and Jennifer Jason Lee. Oh, she was in Lego Dimensions in a video game, so. Oh, she did some voice acting. All right. Mm hmm. Cool. Or did they just act out a scene from, like, the topless scene from uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High in Legos? <laughs> Where you just see, like, a, it looks like an upside-down bird drawn on her chest. <laughs> uh, Reinhold, he didn't do too well recently. He was, uh, he was arrested at Dallas Love Field Airport in December 8th for disorderly conduct after objecting to a pat-down from security. Uh-oh. What are you doing, man? He claimed it was an adverse reaction to a medication. Of course it was. It made me break out and prick. <laughs> uh, so another good is Donkey Kong. The video games that the Gremlins are playing. It yeah. was just fun to see video games showed and from Grismo from Gizmo to Stripe. Everybody loves video games. And this was 1984 before Nintendo came along, so it was like arcade games and the Donkey Kong. It was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, when uh, Nintendo was making uh, arcade cabinets, and I think they were making some games for uh, for Atari as well before they came out before the uh, the actual NES hit the scene. Yeah, well, Donkey Kong did come out on the Nintendo on the Atari, so yeah, they made some Atari games, and then they yeah. just decided. Uh, let's just wait for the Atari to kill itself, and then we'll take its place. <laughs> we'll swoop right in there. <laughs> but yeah, that uh, that was a nice bit of nostalgia. Not just a movie, but seeing that little tiny, uh, the mini uh, Donkey Kong arc- arcade uh, game. I had that game in the 80s, man. And the that one and the Pac-Man one, those uh, little miniature arcades. And uh, fucking loved it. And apparently so they're selling out, they're selling now. Yeah, I've seen them in stores now. I was very tempted to buy one. It's all come full circle. Oh, uh, I don't know if I showed you this, sent you a picture, but uh, Walmart is selling uh, three-quarter scale arcade cabinets. Uh, with uh, one uh, has they have risers, has pa- right? Yeah, one has like uh, like uh, they all have multiple games. Uh, oh, but, but only yeah. like three or four at most. Yeah, three or four, but it's like the cabinet itself is like uh, like I said, three-quarter scale. You put it on like a little bench or something, and it's like roughly the same height as uh, an actual arcade cabinet. And uh, what you can do is just get one of those things and then swap it out for a hard drive with a MAME emulator on it, and then play like 150 games on it. Ugh, not the same. <laughs> you still have it's the just, cabinet. It's, yeah. And that includes the controllers and the buttons. Yeah, I know. I don't know. You still get the physical interaction. Yeah, I don't know. When the, the emulators just never, they, they nothing, it, it just, like, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but anytime I've used emulators, it's just always something off. It never quite seems like the real deal. But anyway, it's, it's always, I can always tell that it's like something different about it. I'm, I guess I'm a bit of a purist. 
But anyway, uh, I want to talk about one particular scene, and this is uh, the scene in the movie theater, which uh, ultimately leads to the the majority of the Gremlins anyway, uh, all except uh, for Stripe, their demise, because they get blown to hell. Um, but when they're in the movie theater and they put uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves on and they start singing Hi-Ho. <laughs> and so, like, it's going cutting back and forth, you know, you're seeing all the Gremlins and everything and they're doing the Hi-Ho part. They're all singing along and all of a sudden it just cuts to one Gremlin, who, uh, the one that's got popcorn bags on his ears. <laughs> And he's, like, not singing at all. Like, everyone else is saying, hi-ho, 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 and then it cuts to him and he's like, <laughs> I don't know why, man. That scene just kills me. Like, I fucking crack up every time I see it. I told my wife, it was like, if you ever, ever find any type of collectible that's, like, that gremlin with the popcorn bags on his ears, you'd need to get it for me. <laughs> yeah. The gremlins are such, like, just fucking party animals, man. It's like... You got, they're wearing all kinds of crazy shit. Like, you got this guy with popcorn bags on his ears. You got a couple that have, like, the popcorn containers with eye holes and mouth holes cut into it and just jammed over their heads. (laughs) One guy is, like, literally, like, looks like he's wearing, like, a fucking, like, uh, Three Musketeers costume and swinging from the chandelier. Where do they get their clothes? Where do they get clothes clothes that are all in their size? (laughs) Everything's all in their sizes. They don't make... They don't make, like, thriller jackets for three-year-olds. Where it the makes, hell did he get it? It makes no sense whatsoever, but it is still, like, just hilarious. Like, did they knock over a baby gap on their way back into town? I guess, yeah. Um, yeah, so I just had to mention that. Like I said, that scene just cracks me up. I, like, honestly, my two favorite scenes, like, I'd love to have, like, animated gifs of the, uh, of Deagle getting launched through the window and just that, gr- <laughs> the popcorn bag gremlin laughing. <laughs> well, Alright, what else you got on the good list? Here's something I'm surprised you haven't mentioned yet. The theme music. Oh! Classic. Absolutely classic. Oh, it's like mischievous, boisterous. It's it's just great. And we hear like allusions to it throughout the uh, throughout the movie, but the song finally gets its pure reveal when the bulldozer comes crashing through the guy's shed and starts chasing Mr. V- Mr. Putterman through the Mr. living room. Putterman. And they're all just in there pilot each one's piloting a part of the machine, like one guy's working the brakes, the other guy's steering the wheel, and the other guy's standing on top giving directions. <laughs> That that was great too. Leading up, because he mentions gremlins before any of this stuff even starts happening. He mentions gremlins, and he's the first one to get uh, not. No, he's not the first one to get taken out by them. But like, it's the uh, the first stop on like the disaster train. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, the gremlins are like fucking like you know they wipe they ruin his TV reception because they're like swinging off his antenna. And, um, yeah, didn't he just hijack... First of all, why is he, why is he drive like a snowplow everywhere? Well, because, you know, that Mr. Plow, that's his name. That name again is Mr. Plow. All right, fine. He's the Plow King. <laughs> if, if, think about it. If you're the one guy in a snowbound town, you're cleaning up like a villain. People need their driveways done. Do they have a plow? No, you're the guy with the plow. Yeah. What's the guy's name, the actor that played uh, Mr. Futterman? Is it uh, Rick Miller, I think? 
Dick Miller. Dick Miller. Man, he is like just one of those actors that show like never been. I don't. I don't think anyway in a leading role. I don't remember ever seeing him in a leading role, but he shows up in so much stuff. Oh, he's had over a hundred roles, uh, mostly with Roger Corman. Yeah, and Joe Dante. He was in uh, Explorers, Piranha, The Howling, Bucket of Blood, Little Shop of Horrors, Chopping Mall, Night of the Creeps, The Burbs, Small Soldiers. Yeah, he's Couldn't still remember alive. His big scene and in Terminator. <laughs> uh, who was he in Terminator? He was the gun shop owner. Oh, uh, you know when uh, Schwarzenegger is in the gun shop asking for all kinds of weapons, and then he asks for some kind of plasma <laughs> rifle, <laughs> like, and he's just like, "What you, 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 what you see is what you get, pal," or something like that. Oh, <laughs> uh, and apparently he was the voice of Oberon. In Justice League Unlimited. Oh, really? And he was and in he was in Demon Knight, the Tales oh, yeah, from I knew, the Crypt. He's, he's in Demon Knight. I definitely remember that. I remember him in Chopping Mall. He was the janitor that gets electrocuted. <laughs> Similarly, he was the security guard in Looney Tunes back in action. Yeah, he's just one of those actors that, like, you know, you probably never know his name, but like, probably like a, at least a dozen times in your life, if you're like a fairly avid movie watcher, that you'll say, "Hey, it's that guy." Oh, yeah, he was in the original Little Shop of Horrors. Yep. Uh, he was in the Happy Hooker Goes to Hollywood. Oh, well, that's a classic that has to be on everyone's list. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of movies. I'm not going to name them all, but, yeah, he gets around, so... He was already a familiar face at the time. Yeah, definitely. You know who became a familiar face after being in this movie? Jonathan Banks, the de- he was the deputy... In this movie, and he became Mike from Breaking Bad, the, everyone's favorite hitman. Oh shit, that's him? Yes! Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, you're not the only one with trivia, buddy. I pull my weight around here. <laughs> Fucking right, yeah, that's a great catch. I had no idea, man. Uh, so tell me more goods. Oh yeah, you're right. I just had to go. I just looked it up. Holy shit, that is him! I can't believe it. He looks so different. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so what? What else can I say? Uh, oh, man. Uh, Billy's mom. She's a fucking badass. Oh fuck! That's one of my goods. M- yeah, Mrs. Pelser's rampage. She does not fuck around. Once she realizes, like, you know, she she gets a phone call before the phone gets cut. Uh, she gets a phone call from Billy saying, like, they've hatched. You need to get out of the house. So she knows something's up. Before she gets a chance, you know, she's realized the gremlins, they're already prowling the house. What the fuck does she do? First off the bat, she just grabs, like, a huge fucking kitchen knife. <laughs> and starts, like, you know... Goes in full on like uh, tactical mode and starts like you know peering slowly peering around corners with this knife ready for action. Oh, she she finds one fucking around in a uh, in a dish that's hooked up to the auto blender or whatever fucking stupid device her husband made, mm-hmm. and she just activates it and blends the gremlin right off the bat. The first gremlin we see die, and it is a vicious kill. Yeah. Just simply reaches out and flips the flips the on switch, and he's gone. Uh, 
then one goes on the attack, starts, like, throwing dishes at her. And she grabs, like, this fucking little, one of those little folding tables and, like, uses it as a shield <laughs> while she's got a knife in her hand. And Full just rushes him. Just rushes him and slacks him to death. Oh, she goes psycho on him. I think they even put in the stings from Psycho, like, wee, 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 wee. I don't remember that, but, like, yeah, like, the, she just goes nuts. Uh, then another one appears, and she grabs a fucking can of uh, oven spray. And starts spraying in the face and backs him up until he backs himself into the microwave, shuts the door, and turns it on. Yeah, three gremlins right off the bat. Like in a matter of a minute, she's already taken three of the three of the five out. Yeah, she she goes beast mode on those things. They have no idea who they're fucking with. Yeah, so uh, of course that uh, changes uh, one. She if one gets the upper, uh, I guess he said a decoy because he's got like the fucking like little toy robot moving around inside the stocking. Yes, they lure her to the fireplace. Yeah. Now, this scene originally was supposed to play out very differently. In the script, this was supposed to, uh, instead of, uh, you know, her getting attacked and just before she gets strangled by the gremlin in the Christmas tree, Billy comes in and saves her and uh, picks up the sword because for some reason they've got like a set of swords on their wall. Hmm. Um, He saves her because she drops to the floor and he hacks the gremlin's head off. Actually, what was supposed to happen in the original script was Billy rushes into the door to just in time to see the gremlin with the sword hack the head off his mother. Oh, shit. That would have been fucking fierce. This would have been a genuine yeah. horror movie. But if they kept that scene in, if they went with that, the MPA would have been like, yeah, there, there's no way we're creating a, any type of alternate rating for you. You're getting a hard R. There's no mer- we can't merchandise the mom killers. <laughs> imagine toy lines like everyone else comes with like you know you got Billy with like the bo- the backpack with gizmo in it and you've got uh, maybe uh, uh, Kate with uh, I don't know maybe like the Polaroid camera she used to like you know drive the gremlins <laughs> away and then Billy's mom with removable head <laughs> Billy's mom with head lobbing action <laughs> spring loaded <laughs> But yeah, so that scene was supposed to play much darker, but of course, yeah, that would have been a little too much. So she gets away with being scratched up a bit. Um, but yeah, great. Like I said, man, she's a fucking beast. I loved her. She was fantastic. She did not fuck around. She wasn't playing like the uh, the typical 80s, you know, like the, uh, the useless damsel. female character. Yeah, no damsel in distress. Yeah. So yeah, okay, what else you got, man? Uh, the egg opening scene. Like, seeing oh. the eggs are one thing, but when you finally see them start to crack open and they've got that alien-like light inside with the fog, it is menacing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like those, uh, I like those cocoons. Yeah, I mean, like, it just looked gross and slimy, and it just lets you know, like, the, like no, you're not just gonna see cute, fuzzy, mischievous little imps anymore. These things are drastically changing. It was, it was a great way to set a tone shift for the movie, just in case you think, oh, it's going to be like harmless, mischievous little guys that maybe string up a dog and leave them to freeze outside, which is kind of dark in itself. Oh, yeah. But no, the, it's going to get more violent and vicious, and they're, even their bodies become more violent and vicious. Mm-hmm. 
So that was good. And uh, seeing <laughs> um, when the when the doctor, professor, teacher guy, when he shows up and he tr- he hears one under the desk, and he tries to lure one out with a uh, with a candy bar, and he's like, oh, you don't still hold a grudge. You're not holding a grudge after that blood test, are you?" <laughs> Then, and then Billy walks in and finds the doctor dead with a syringe in his ass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Partially pulled underneath the table. Yeah, that was that was good. All right. So I think my my, my the things on my good list are kind of like starting to like fold into themselves. Um, Jesus. Well, I want to speak about like you know scenes where the yeah I can see where the uh, they they didn't want to give this a PG rating. Was uh, Spike's demise or Stripe's demise at the end? Oh, that was gruesome. Jeez. So we find out what because of course the rules, you know, keep them away from light, uh, no light, but especially sunlight. Sunlight will kill them. It's like okay, so how would it kill them? Um, well, we find out it's basically sunlight is like acid to gremlins. It uh, completely dissolves them, and we get a scene when. Uh, uh, Stripe gets hit with the sunlight. It just literally dissolves him. It like burns his skin off, like just burning his flesh off. Yeah, if you thought Dracula dying to the to the candlestick crucifix in in the Hammer films was violent, this 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 was the natural progression of it. Yeah, that was uh, that was really good. Like that uh, that was done well. Great cutscenes, like some uh, nice, just just really good effect. And of course, you know they had to uh, put in one of my one of the jump one of my earliest jump scares because you think it's all done. He falls he falls in dead into the water, and then of course last second he like just is basically down to a skeleton. So I don't know what how exactly he propelled himself out of the water, but he does somehow. <laughs> It may may have been explosions from all the little uh, gremlin eggs that were popping up out of his back. That could have been. Reconciled. There you go. Plot point reconciled. But yeah, anyway, his fucking mangled skeleton comes flying out and lands on the floor before turning into a puddle of goo. Oh, like what seems to be like a solid skeleton melt into a sludge. That's just a great effect. Yeah. That like I said, that was great. Like you, it looks like as like at least last time you see it, it looks semi solid, and then just turns into this like bubbling pile of goo. I don't like that was really well done. The effects for the most part, man, this movie were like groundbreaking. This this stuff was spot on. So what else you got for the good? The uh, like so many things in this movie made it look like even though it was filmed in the eighties. It was written up by writers from the 40s and 50s. Yeah. Because in the beginning, you see a sailor making out with a girl in an alley, and he's dressed like he just came in off V-Day. Yes. And it's not the only dated reference. There's gremlins in a bar, and they're slurring like, (laughs) They're slurring how dry I am. Yes. (laughs) Like, talk about antiquated, but then, then they flip it and make it super fucking modern. Because in once in that same scene in the bar, you get to see a gremlin with leg warmers jamming to flash <laughs> dance music. And 
it's not it's it's a unique song for the movie called like uh mega madness but it was written and performed by michael Cimbello, the same guy that did maniac oh no way no there's a reason it sounded like maniac because it was written and performed by the same fucking guy oh shit i didn't know that so man, look at you you're coming with the trivia tonight hey man this movie inspired it it was fucking great and then, uh, like, again, more Stephen King cam, uh, Steve Spielberg references. Like, when Stripe is be- luring Billy into the toy store, he's hiding behind a stuffed E.T. Yeah. And the cameos in this movie. You had Steven Spielberg in the movie. Did you know who he was? Was he uh, at the Inventors Convention, the guy that drives by in, like, some kind of little car? He was the guy in the recumbent bike. Recumbent bike, okay. Yeah, and Jerry Goldsmith was uh, one of the guys in the photo booth, in the phone booth. And uh, they had the actual voice of Robbie the Robot, not just cutscenes from Robbie the Robot. And they had Robbie the Robot, and he had a phone attached to his dome, like by a hanger <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah. And he, I love the fact that he's having this conversation with someone on the other end, and they're all response phrases coming out of him. It's not like he's just repeating shitty, like, constant lines. He's just, like, waiting for a second. He's like, I hardly use it myself. It promotes rust. <laughs> yes. And in the voices of the gremlins, uh, Frank Welker Frank was, Walker. was Stripe. Yes. Megatron was Stripe. And who else was other gremlins? Well, Michael Winslow. Yes. Police Academy's Michael Police Winslow. Academy. Like, all you got to say is, like, sound effects guy from uh, Police Academy. Bob Bergen, who uh, was the uh, the voice of Porky and Tweety after replacing Mel Blanc. Fred Newman, who, you know, does like so many fucking things. And Peter Cullen. So that's right. Optimus Prime and Megatron were on the same side as Gremlins. Yes. Like, honestly, like uh, if you watch any cartoons from the 80s, you heard the vo- like the guys that made the voices of uh, the Gremlins. Like, yeah, that that's what a fucking fantastic lineup of voice actors. So even Chuck Jones was yeah. in this legendary Chuck Jones as Billy's drawing mentor. Yep. So there was just so much in this, like, and I guess we should wrap up the goods because we're almost we're. So, or at least, like, we can wrap it for them. Uh, Stripe in the pool. That scene was fucking menacing. Because when you see him, you just think, oh, he's going to go in the shower or something small and containable. But mm-hmm. no, when he jumps in the pool, you just realize there is nothing you can do at this point. You just have to get the fuck out of the, 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 the neighborhood. Maybe out of town. Maybe just write the whole town off as a loss. Because at this point, the whole pool starts bubbling like witch's brew. And it is... It is, like, at this point, effectively terrifying because you've seen what Stripe can do on his own or just five of these can do, and now it's enough to destroy the town. Mm-hmm. But then it's also, instead of riding all that terror, you see shit like caroling gremlins it, it, and then the drunk gremlins, the flash dance gremlins, the... The, uh, the flasher gremlin? <laughs> He just, like, opens up the trench coat and, like, wiggles his smooth around the bend hips. And then he's the, like, uh, 
And then for some reason, like, the gremlins are all going to muck, but one of them comes in with a ski mask and a gun. And the gun... <laughs> he walks in with a ski mask and a gun like he's about to knock off the place. But the gun is, like, like a tiny little gun, like a tiny little revolver, gremlin size. Yeah, where do they find that? Like, having tiny clothes is one thing, but custom-made tiny guns. <laughs> you think they'd be walking around with, like, regular-sized guns that wouldn't fit them, and they'd be knocked around by recoil and shit. That would have been good, too. But they decided, nope, this town has... <laughs> this is a good American small town, so we have toddler-sized guns. And they even had, like, one gremlin who, like... As they start playing, like, this film noir music, you see one gremlin just sitting there quietly... As if he's like above it all. He's got like that. He's got that hat on, and he looks like a he looks like a dick from a private dick from a movie. Oh, like that uh, the fucking Cagney scene. Yeah, yeah, I love that. He's so serious, you know, being so like melodramatic, so serious. <laughs> all you see is this like little tiny like puppet comes along. <laughs> One of the gremlins is trying to cheer him up with a puppet. And he's like this, and then a gremlin just sticks his, it's like a little hand puppet, and then all of a sudden a gremlin just sticks his face in. <laughs> and then and then solemn gremlin, he pulls out a gun and just shoots him point blank in the face, like they murder each other. Oh yeah, they kill like several of them. Just, one is che- cheating a cards, and he just shoot him in the face. <laughs> Oh, there's so fucking much about this. Uh, my final good, simply because we, we can't go on about this, but when yeah. they talk about Mrs. Deagle's death in the news, they say that she was the husband of convicted swindler Donald Deagle. Oh, the, yeah, the wife of convicted swindler. Yeah, so the fact that, you know, like, even in the 80s, when they come up with who would be, like, a great millionaire thief scumbag, well, why don't we call him Donald? <laughs> yeah. Oh, good so, one. I just thought that is a great fucking insult right there. That is a nice. You know who they're talking about. That was great. Exactly. Ah, oh, okay. Far off your guard. Right. I I just fucking love this movie. Um, nah, I've said enough, man. Everything I you've hit everything. This whole fucking movie is fantastic. All my bads are like the the nitpickiest of the nitpicks oh yeah we're, we're just reaching just so that we don't come off too yeah. uh too perfect exactly um but yeah i i've always given this movie like easily like gremlins for me is nine nine point five out of ten for sure but we do have a job to do we do got to talk about a couple of bad things uh first of all um the cast itself, like for the majority of it, there's a few exceptions, but for the main cast, not particularly good actors. Um, felt like everything was a little forced, to be quite honest. I'd say uh, Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman. I've never been, I've never really been a fan of Corey Feldman. I've like the funny thing about Corey Feldman is that. I like a lot of stuff that he's done, like a lot of things he's in, but, but not I've because never, of him. I've never been a like a real an actual fan of him. Uh, but I mean, as a child actor, he he wasn't too bad, but not great. Uh, I honestly, I my two, I think uh, Zach Galligan and uh, Phoebe Cates. As much as I love Phoebe Cates, she's so gorgeous. Like I said, one of my top crushes from the eighties. They couldn't act their way out of a wet paper bag. Uh, the dad was pretty good. The mom was good. Um, 
Dick Miller was probably one of the better actors in the, out of the whole cast. I honestly think my favorite actor from uh, from the whole cast was Billy's dog. <laughs> Barney that was dog great. Intera- everything he interacted with, he was like fucking fantastic. Uh, especially like at towards the end when uh, the dad is bringing him home and he gets out of the car and runs into the uh, into the department store where the final showdown happens. And uh, Gremlin uh, Gizmo almost clips him with his car, with a little pink car. The dog's reaction to it is fucking priceless. The dog's reaction to the bubbling pile of uh, goo that Stripe turns into at the end is fantastic. Like I said, like this dog is probably the best actor of the cast. <laughs> so yeah, I think the uh, the acting in this one is pretty weak. And uh, just to far out quickly, I've already mentioned. Um, uh, this at the beginning, you could tell that uh, they did their best to make it look like a nice wintry place, nice wintry scene. But you could tell if you actually looked that this was filmed in some, like on a on a lot somewhere, someplace actually pretty warm. So, all right, go ahead. What do you got for the bad? My first bad is they say you can't feed them after midnight, but which time zone? <laughs> Isn't he from China? Oh my! Oh my God! This has been an ongoing debate for 34 years. That's a fucking terrible rule. What if you move him to California? Is he on New York time? And then you realize, oh shit, I only fed him at uh, at 10 o'clock. He should be fine. But he's still on New York time? Like, what yeah. a fucking inconsistent, regionally exclusive rule is that? It would, be, yeah. it would just be more consistent if you say, don't feed them chocolate. Like, if it's chocolate that gives them too much energy and they start multiplying, fine. Yeah, they even address that in Gremlins too. Because um, somebody when they, when they there, uh, you know, the whole Gremlin thing is happening again, the infestation. Somebody brings that up. Is like, you know, oh, so what about I feed a Gremlin on the plane where it's, uh, you know, but it, where it's before midnight, but then I cross the time zone and <laughs> where it's midnight. What happens then? <laughs> well, that's a stupid question. Mine's better. Like, if you just flew him to China, does that mean that you can only feed him at like six in the morning or? Yeah, like are the uh, the gremlins like time zone locked or what? Yeah, because like they are they are Mogwai. They're they're from China, so you think their their digestive system would be operating on Chinese time? Yeah, and have the Mogwai ever existed in the wild? Like, so who's like monitoring them if they, if they did? Like, who's monitoring them to make sure that they don't eat after midnight? Yeah, exactly. How did like these things were they made in a in a lab? Because if they if they existed on their own, they would not be limited by time constraints. They would be eating and multiplying and and doing terrible shit. Like you would have seen this shit would have been the news. Okay, there would have been like China still facing the Mogwai Wars. Yeah, or I mean the whole world would be would have been just gremlins. So yeah, so yeah, that's always been like, uh, like, uh, like I said, this movie's thirty-four years old, and this has been an ongoing debate since its release, since uh, the first time anyone's ever seen it. It's like that's really inconsistent. Not inconsistent, but you know, like how exactly? There's way too many fucking questions. Exactly. Okay, so while I did praise like the effects, the practical effects of this movie, there's one scene in particular that I got to mention because. When it comes to, like, the actual look, probably the worst scene in the whole movie 
and that is the first time you see the horde of gremlins after Stripe falls into uh, jumps into the pool. That was a that was a stop motion fail. That was stop motion, and they used stop motion in some other scenes that worked perfectly. You could tell it was stop motion, but they did it so well. When you see the big horde show up, oh my god, it is terrible. You can tell like it's done with very very tiny miniatures. Even the California um, raisins guy would be like. Give oh, me, yeah, give, yeah. give me yeah. an extra day or two. I can tighten this up. Yeah, it is below like California raisins uh, quality. And if you're not familiar with that, then just go YouTube California raisins, and uh, you'll see what we're talking about. Like I said, me and Mike are both '80s kids, so we saw some fucking weird shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it was bad. You could tell like it's just uh, like very sloppily done stop motion. Uh, put on a like the the scenery is just like a just a still image and uh yeah like it lasted way too long <laughs> as well <laughs> like really like if they just gave you like a quick little glimpse of it maybe you wouldn't have noticed it so much but you get to see the scene for way longer than necessary <laughs> and uh yeah it looks pretty bad so gotta gotta take off a little smidge of a point for that one Oh, you know what I just found out? Polly Holiday, the actress that played Mrs. Deagle, still alive. What? Old, old lady in the Ford in the 80s, still kicking it, and she was in movies like The Heartbreak Kid and Stick It. Jesus. So that is pretty damn cool. That is pretty cool. All right, but, what else you got for the bad? Uh, the mom is watching It's a Wonderful Life, and she's got this terrible look on her face, and she keeps looking at it like, what a sad movie. And she's and the scene on the television is the happy part where uh, uh, Jimmy you? Stewart is running down the street like, thank you, howdy do, Mr. Christmas, howdy do, Mr. Yes, Theater, at, hey, like, everybody. the most uplifting part of the movie uh, where he realizes that like even with all this bad stuff that's happened, he still had a fantastic life. And like, she's looking at it like, what a sad movie. Like, this is just like, what the fuck is up with her life? Does she, is she really, is she taking her marriage into consideration? Like, realizing that her husband's a washed up dreamer? Yeah. Yeah, like, if they were showing the scene where he's, like, talking, he's telling, first time he's telling Clarence, saying that, like, you know, I wish, I said I wish I had never been born, something like that. No, she's, she's looking at the happy scene where he's holding yeah. his kid and he's like, oh, Merry Christmas, Clarence. Oh, Merry Christmas, Clarence. It is a wonderful life. It is. And she's like, <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck is wrong with this woman? Yeah. This is this is telling us more about her marriage than I need to know as a watch as a as a viewer. <laughs> yeah. So okay. Why hasn't somebody at some point told the dad, okay, your inventions fucking suck. You have to stop. Everything you invent is a fucking disaster. How do you have any money? I don't know. There's probably like a deleted scene where he's selling coke on the side. Oh, well, fuck yeah. Because that's how we can afford that house. Yeah, like... <laughs> the, the, yeah, all these inventions, they're his way to try to get out of the game. <laughs> I like how, though, he goes to the inventors uh, convention. <laughs> and when he calls up, home, he's like, how, how's the, invent, the inventors convention? And he's like... Uh, the competition is a little uh, is a little stiffer than I expected, and he's making things like, you know, he's got like fucking like smokeless ashtrays in the bathroom, buddy, and then there's like fucking Robbie the robot walking around. 
I thought the joke was that he fucked up and he wasn't at an Avengers convention, but he was actually at a Comic-Con. That could be too. Maybe that's what... I thought that was. I thought that was the joke that he fucked up and that it wasn't in Maker's Fair at all. He just showed up at Comic-Con and he's just like, oh, um... Oh, I, I guess I fucked up and I, and I I spent so much money on travel for nothing. I like how, like, some of... And, and I gotta put this in the bag because it just seems so fucking stupid. But some of the things that he's invented... I'm, I'm doing, like, air quotes. You can't see me, of course. But... Uh, are... Th- just shitty, shitty versions of things that already exist. The <laughs> fucking orange juicer. Like, that's one of my bads. My bad, my bad is, that's a lot of juice for just for one orange. One fucking orange. <laughs> just like the kitchen he, is he covered. Stum- he stumbled upon infinite mass production. He stumbled upon a replicator. Because they yeah. put in one orange and they get enough mass and liquid for several oranges He's invented a food multiplier. Yep. It's uh, the prototype of what eventually becomes the replicators on Star Trek. <laughs> but yeah, it, like he's just, he's inventing, like, okay, he's got a juicer, um, some kind of coffee pot. And like, I'm like, okay. <laughs> that produces coffee sludge. I'm like, these are things you just basically screwed up, failed to uh, make correct versions of things that already exist. You're unmaking inventions. Um, the automatic car dealer. Like, they had those in the 80s, much smaller and much compact, more compact than the one you're making, and they actually work right. It's like he's trying to reverse engineer shit that already exists. Yeah. And it's like, oh, the, his big claim to fame is the bathroom buddy. So you took, a, like, a square of plastic and stuck a bunch of, uh, of instruments, like normal, like, uh, toiletries that already exist to it. Yeah, slender items that fit between your fingers because they need to be nimble, and you, you've secured them all to a huge fucking block. You imagine trying to shave with like this, like a fucking like disposable razor attached to a big block of plastic? Yeah, just try taking like a five-pound block, tying it to your toothbrush, and slamming that into your jaw several times a second. Mm-hmm. Not to mention that like the uh, toothpaste for the uh, toothpaste and the shaving cream like shoots out nowhere near where the actual toothpaste uh, where the toothbrush or the, sh- or the razor are located yeah so and again not... that, that thing is holding way too much toothpaste <laughs> yeah so yeah the, the inventions were just ridiculous like you couldn't come up with something like that he was like you know if he's going to be an inventor some, anything that might have been passable as a worthwhile invention that you know still have it make it comedic that he can't get the work out right but why did it just have to be like I said, just shittier versions of things that already exist. His idea of brainstorming is watching Mr. Popeil. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that w- that was kind of uh, annoying. Like, why haven't the mom divorced this guy yet? <laughs> Alright, what else you got for the bad? Uh, my final bad because i got i got half a note here apparently i trailed off or i got distracted because i wrote i just wrote down nobody <laughs> so past mike has some Fucking explaining to, <laughs> past mike has some explaining to do but the last complete thought i have here is gremlin gets splashed with beer doesn't multiply no beer's not water it is in this bar <laughs> ah yeah so 
Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Like, does it just is just have to be just pure water if it's anything else? Like, what happens if you just like I don't know, mix some Kool Aid with water and throw it on them? Does it the Kool Aid like neutralize the water effect? Maybe you should. Maybe you should cry over spilled milk if it fell on a mogwai. Mm-hmm. I guess it just has to be pure water and nothing else. You I think guess that so. would you think that would get mentioned somewhere? Yeah. Just like, yeah, you can feed them juice, you can feed them milk, you can feed them booze. Just don't feed them water. Like, pure water. Which is weird, because then there's some... Because then it's just like, how much percentage of water, like, would Kool-Aid, because it's like, that's 99% water, would that trigger it? Yeah, are there different scales? Like, you know, if the water is not completely pure, did he still multiply? But, like, I don't know, like it has some kind of effect on the type of gremlin you get or something is it, if it what if what about distilled water mm-hmm. so the only thing i got left from the bad and not really bad like i said all mine are pretty nitpicky but this one is okay so why is it that gremlin is like uh like a good mogwai so why is it that like there's no other good ones like every single one that gets produced from him is evil yeah, there should be if there's like if they're gonna differ from him, there should be some variance. Yeah, and like, what if Gizmo ate and metamorphosized? Would he still be a good gremlin, or would he instantly turn evil? Like, it would have been nice to see Gizmo himself evolve, and like just so he can fight these things on even footing because they're they're like three times his size. Yeah. So yeah, so that's like I said, nitpicking, but that was it for me. Uh, that did re- it, it. This basically, I guess, when it comes to the majority of the things we put on the bad list, is that it just the, the rules that for the gremlins just raise more questions than answers. <laughs> oh yeah, and instead of what the fucks, I have a question ju- that just didn't fit in the good or the bad, but I have to ask. Aren't Mogwais the end to world hunger? Think about it. You take one of these guys, you put them in a sealed cage with a sprinkler, you just watch them multiply until the thing is ready to burst, then you just funnel them down a sealed chute into a feeding pit, which is just a bigger cage, and then when that gets full of fully formed gremlins, then you just drop that cage into a deep fryer. That might be one of the most sadistic things I've ever heard. Think about it. Free meat. Sustainable protein. Oh, I'm not saying it wouldn't work. I am just saying that's fucked up. (laughs) Well, they're not like Gizmo. You you feel if there's any good ones, they'll reveal themselves. But, you know, you just assume that they're all fuckers and that they deserve it. They're not doing anybody any good by living. And if you did have PETA. (laughs) That idea is stupid. Everybody knows you microwave gremlins. You don't fry them. (laughs) Well, if you can get a, if you can get like a cage-sized microwave, then fine. I'm just assuming that, like, you know, the I'm assuming Colonel Sanders would want to get in on this action. It's like you microwave them, and after they explode, you just spoon, you just scrape up all the sludge with a spoon. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> that, that, that's great for at home, but I'm thinking on a mass scale. I want to end world hunger, not trailer hunger. Mm-mm, that's good eating. <laughs> you all can right. taste the evil. Okay, so, all right, so that's the good and the bad and some, you know, a lot of unanswered questions. But here is what, like, because there are some great ones, and I don't even know if you're going to go with gremlins or humans or what. But, Mike, I cannot wait to see what you've picked for your little segment tonight. 
Oh boy, it is a blessed cornucopia for this week's kill of the week. And that, at first, I thought it was going to be uh, the mother's rampage because she just went on a fucking spree. But then a clear winner emerged with what I wrote down simply as Mrs. Deagle's rocket ride. <laughs> Because everything about that scene from its beginning, for her being a surprising cat lady, the gremlins caroling, her freaking out, and then go- and then sailing across her lawn from her second story Ugh. window in front of a police cruiser. And even then, there's even then the even then the the cops are who have been at this point, they're aware of a Mogwai's existence because because the, they've met Gizmo. And they're seeing him, and then immediately see the the guy that plays the Santa getting swarmed by gremlins, and they're like, "What's that? that what's that stuff on him?" They just roll it right to the fucking window. They're scratching at the windows, and he's still trying to figure out what exactly is going on here. Something weirds in town, but I'm not going to believe Billy right away. Cops in '80s movies are like the most useless motherfuckers ever. Every single 80s movie that, like, where if a cop wasn't a main character, they're fucking useless. Yeah, so, every, for not just being a great kill in itself, but surrounded by so much fucking amazing shit, the the kill of the week, maybe the kill of the year, goes to Mrs. Deagle and her her amazing gremlin-enhanced super seed. Yeah, I didn't know if you would go with that one because there were some, like, you had great choices in here, especially, like, a lot of the gremlin kills. But, fuck yeah, there is nothing better than the fucking, like you said, Mrs. Deagle's rocket ride because that <laughs> is uh, the only the thing. The only thing that would be missing if she was flying up the stairs and, and reprising her role of uh, Florence from Alice, just screaming, kiss my grits! Oh, God. So, yeah, yeah, great choice. Like, there's no doubt. Like you said, this would probably... This has to get her, give her, get her award for, like, kill of the year, for sure. It is the best. Like I said, I, I'm not joking. I'm not exaggerating. This is one of my top ten kills of all time. Like, top ten movie scenes. This movie is just so so good. I love it. Uh, one of my best movie scenes ever. Uh Great Christmas movie. Uh, I don't care what anyone says. This is a fucking Christmas movie. I don't care what anybody says. This is a horror movie. It's close enough. It's just great all around. Great, like, tiny monster movie. Whatever you want to classify it as. This movie just is fucking awesome. Well, that is Gremlins, everybody. Uh, we're, we, that's our coverage of Gremlins. I mean, we've got nothing else to say. We've talked about this enough. You Watch it. It's If you haven't seen it, it's fantastic. If it's been a while, watch it again. Uh, perfect Christmas movie. You gotta, like, this would be the best time to watch it right now. Uh, but of course, we want to know what your thoughts are. Did you agree with what we have to say? Are you a fan of this movie? Did we miss something you think we should think about? Or do you think this movie is, uh, you know, not as high caliber as we've uh, rated it? We want to hear from you, and you got a number of ways of doing that. First of all, you can reach us uh, the old-fashioned way through email, graveyardshift um, at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Um, fuck, why can't I remember anything tonight? 
<laughs> anyway, if you search, just go on Twitter and uh, at GYS underscore HorrorPod, we're there. Uh, search, uh, go to Facebook.com slash GraveyardShiftPod. And, of course, on Instagram and Instagram.com slash GraveyardShiftPod. If you're feeling particularly generous, because, you know, this is the uh, season for giving, and uh, you want to make sure that we keep pumping out the horror for all through uh, 2019, you can head on over to patreon.com slash graveyard. There for a donation as little as $1 a month. You help us out with the production costs of the show. And as an instant reward, you get the gift of exclusive Patreon bonus episodes. These episodes are available only to our paying Patreon members. So you can help us out there and give yourself a nice little extra gift. And of course, we understand, especially after all this holiday shopping, not everyone has the money to give us money, but you can still help us out a ton by rate, reviewing, and subscribing on whichever, however you re- get this podcast. Uh, there's got to be some kind of rating and reviewing and possibly subscribing feature, so please take advantage of that. In the long run, that actually helps us out the most. And uh, sharing us on social media also helps, and sharing us by word of mouth. If you know somebody that loves horror movies, loves podcasts, want to listen to something that combines the two just let them know about the graveyard shift so mike other than the graveyard shift what other unimportant things do you have going on (laughs) well i waste my time on other podcasts like the playing with power podcast where we read nintendo power magazine first issue to whatever most recent one i can get my hands on front to back and we talk about the ads, the artwork, the game coverage, the uh, the letters from the fans. It's a good time, especially seeing the uh, the beautiful time capsule that many of these have become. Seeing how like um, th- there was like a real gross out fad. Yeah, seriously. In the nineties. Yeah, man, the the ads were ridiculous there for a while. Yeah, like jars of toenails or like buckets of slime, like. Like, literally barf and snot, and, uh, like, f- uh, disgusting. Yeah, like, your mom's gonna hate this game. Yeah, like that, 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 was, that was the selling point. Your parents are gonna hate it. Yep. So, then there's also uh, Technobabble, which may be getting a rename, apparently. Oh. And it's gonna become uh, Techno Chatter. But it's still the same show with me and Rich, uh, talking about science, tech... Gadgets, gizmos, uh, positive developments with involving these things, or just ways that they can uh, waste time, destroy the world, or just kill their idiot users like <laughs> us. That happens sooner or later. And there's also the taste test, retro gaming with flavor. You want to hear me, Brandon, and Ivan talk about old NES games, Super NES games, uh, maybe even a Genesis game every now and then. Like, just suggest a game for us to play, listen to us talk about it. We also do skits on that one as well. So, give it a listen. Yeah, all good quality. And, um, another little plug, because this is actually the second podcast that you recorded tonight. You did a guest spot on uh, another podcast. That's right. I was on two episodes of Big Talk and Brewskies, which is hosted by Marissa Smith, a stand-up comic in New York. She just put out the call to any of her Facebook friends who wants to talk, and I'm like, 
Well, I need to get a return on that microphone I bought several years ago. I still ha I don't know if I've completely made my budget back on it, so it's time to get this thing to pay off. So and since I am a audio whore who just cannot stop talking, I was just like, I'll do it. And so far, she hasn't regretted it. Awesome. So you can check me out on that show. We talk about uh, several, t several topics from uh, the Canadian election to uh, horror movies. Like what everyone's favorite horror movies was. She's not a horror fan, but we uh, several of her guests were, so we managed to talk about that stuff. Awesome! Yeah, definitely gonna have to check that out and more. Cool, good stuff. Well, guys, happy horror days to you. Uh, Merry Christmas, massacre, whatever you, however you want to put it. Uh, and happy horror days to you, Mike. Ah, oh, happy horror days to you too. Yeah, it's been it's been great, guys. We uh, this year has been fantastic. Uh, I know towards the end of the year things got a little bit uh, hectic, and you know episodes kind of like um, we we kind of lost our momentum for a little while when it came to how quickly episodes were coming out. But I think we've got all that settled away right now. We are going to be taking a break over the holidays and coming back later in January with more. Uh, horror goodness um, but yeah definitely looking forward to a brand new year of just watching all your movie suggestions and putting breaking it down and uh, yeah so lots more to come so please 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 come back and join us for that until then I'm Sheldon and I'm Mike and thank you again for joining us for another year of the graveyard shit <laughs> Bye, Billy. Bye, Billy.